Welcome to Dropping In, a podcast of storytelling and interviews with your host, Winter Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Thank you so much for dropping in on Series 7. This is a series where I get to talk to amazing Paralympians from Team Canada. I'm so excited. This is Episode 64, so let me give you a glimpse at the guests that we will be dropping in with. Our next guest had a monumental start to his competitive career in para-snowboarding. Competing at his first World Cup in January 2021 in Norway, he brought home gold and bronze for, oh, that was at World Championships. He brought home gold and bronze for Team Canada. Move on to March 2022. One of his goals was achieved to compete at the Paralympics. Beijing 2022, he blew away the competition, racing to gold in para snowboard cross and bronze in para bank slalom. I know I was excited. <laughs> Five years ago, he was at the lowest part of his life. In 2017, he was in a skydiving accident, causing traumatic injury and brain injury. Pain, depression, addiction encompassed his life in that first year. His He is a bilateral amputee. Sports and his passions are what helped him keep coming back for more. He is a snowcat operator, a skydiver instructor, competes in surfing as well as para-snowboarding, and can be found on his sailboat with his girlfriend. They have a blog about that one. Uh, 60 Seconds is an award-winning short film that documents his journey from recovery from his trauma. This sun sailor, surfer, public speaker, skydiver, world champion, Paralympic world champion lives on the edge and races on the edge. I'm pleased to introduce Tyler Turner. Hi, Tyler. How are you? Hey, man. I don't think I've ever heard an intro like that. That was pretty epic. <laughs> <laughs> I like doing them because when I hear my bios, there's so many stats that I didn't know about myself that other people knew. And I like that you get to hear everything that you've achieved yeah i don't think i've ever all put it all together like that in one tight little bundle and uh that's, that's pretty wild it's awesome well you've done a lot and we're all really proud yeah. of you Thanks. tyler Thanks. are you ready to drop into our 10 question rapid fire that's never rapid so that the listeners get to know you a bit better yeah let's do it all right well currently you are on a sailboat so hopefully we get we stay we stay in that in contact here number one do you have a lucky charm Ooh, lucky charm. Um, no, not really. I don't, I don't think so. I, uh, although I always say like, I'm not that superstitious. And when it comes down to it, I'm like, I'm so like out of my mind, crazy. Uh, but like, I just pretend they're not superstitions. So, um, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I no, I don't think there's like a single, a single, like, there's not a thing that I travel with or something. There's just like weird things I do. Like, uh, I'll wake up every morning before a race and like throw something into the garbage bin yeah. and if it goes in the garbage bin i'm like all right today's Good the day. day we're gonna we're like we're gonna be ripping today and if i miss i'm like all right we gotta be on it today you know we gotta like we gotta work through some things yeah uh, it's but, such a weird like yeah i get it i totally get it yeah i've got like weird little things like that but i don't like travel around with anything or a lucky charm or anything no. okay. I, let's say my gold medal is my lucky charm hey yo it is now <laughs> Are you going to take that everywhere with you? No. Not. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Number two, you have traveled a lot of places um, on your sailboat and then also um, in sports. What is the p 
favorite, most favorite place that you traveled for snowboarding and then also for pleasure? Ooh, um, yeah, it's been pretty crazy getting to travel as much as I have. Like, I mean, I traveled a decent amount before, like trying to go on surf trips or whatever, but yeah. the last two years have been wild. Like every two weeks we're on a plane to a different place in Europe. I'd never even been to Europe before. So um, I love Norway. Uh, Norway is really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't really so expensive. get to experience yeah so expensive i didn't really get to experience these places like too much because of covid but norway is just a beautiful country and i've always wanted to go to norway to do other things outside of snowboarding so mm -hmm. it kind of like just showed me the country and now I, now i really want to go back and and explore it more um on our sailboat uh we well we're gonna sail our boat south mexico so let's hope that's the best place i go to on the sailboat but um we like just sailing north destination sound and stuff exploring yeah. close to home there's just been some incredibly big too so uh, it's hard to say just one but just the whole uh like bc coast uh, yeah the coast beautiful. is really cool they call it beautiful british columbia for a reason i think exactly <laughs> awesome um okay number four i'm assuming you train in the gym sometimes every now and then i know i had to didn't love it got into it um when you're in the gym, would you rather have headphones on or would you rather hear your breath while you're working out? Oh, man, I should probably uh, be in the gym more, but I try and figure out ways to not be in the gym, like biking and, and stuff that gets me out, but still gets that the heart pumping. But uh, I'm, yeah, headphones in a podcast, so not music. Okay. I just love, I love podcasts. I'm addicted. Well, good so thing you're on a podcast. Fitting we're here, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Um, number five, do you have a favorite race so far out of your para snowboard career? Yeah, I mean, the finals of the Paralympics, it's got to be a pretty, pretty easy uh, answer. But, you know, there's also like some of the uh, I made a pass in the uh, was the finals of world champs. And yeah that pass just felt really good so maybe maybe i gotta say that because that was a lot of fun the the finals of the paralympics was just so scary and i was trying not to fall the entire time and having a full mental breakdown so it wasn't yeah. like <laughs> as fun but um yeah i mean both those, those are big real big finals for me so those are great races. I i used to when i was younger um race in, in border cross and I can understand why a pass would be like such an, a cool moment to remember. So mm -hmm. I totally respect that as well. But then I did listen to um, you on another podcast and you were describing that like last 10 seconds that seemed to be like oh, an man. hour in your head. And I was like, we'll get into that. But I was like, totally. I can see how that would be a challenge too. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're going to get into it, I won't tell you all the stories right now. But yeah, that was a wild, that was a wild, uh, 10 15 seconds of my life <laughs> so cool okay number six what puts a bigger smile on your face now this is gonna be a tricky one for you i think sailing snowboarding skydiving or surfing oh skydiving that's Sky not even tricky yeah oh it's not I, no i love it so much like a good wave is so good and a good pow day is so good but i mean um yeah flying a wingsuit is like okay it's just like a whole new 
level. Sad. Um, like we talk about flow state in sports all the time. And that's like, I don't think there's any faster way <laughs> to drop into flow state than to, yeah, get out of an airplane. With, You're nuts. Uh, I've never done it. I've never done uh, it. My brother's addicted and I'm like, please just be safe. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. There you I don't go. like, I don't yeah, even like can... bungee jumping. Yeah. Bungee jumping is sketchy. It's oh, okay. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. You gotta give it a try. Everyone's gotta try once. I know, know, I do. I feel like my heart would just come out my mouth. We don't all need to turn into addicts like me and, and you know some other people. But to try it once, it'll it'll you know it'll do something in your life. It'll, okay. it'll affect okay. you for sure. I'm nervous yeah. already because I know else, it's I'll... Just a really great story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I'm now like accountable to you because like I'm in my head. I'm like I haven't said I would do it, but I know you're telling me I should do it, so yeah. I gotta do it. There you go. Well, hopefully if I'm in the area, I'll come chase you around the sky while you're doing it too. Oh my gosh. I'd love that. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, seriously like beat red nervous right now. <laughs> my palms are sweating. <laughs> Just thinking about it. Okay. Um, it. Number seven, what would you say is the top place in Canada to snowboard? Uh, I spent a lot of time working for a uh, cat skiing operation in the Monashies, uh, K3 cat skiing out of Revelstoke. So oh. uh, I got to say the Monashies. I love the Monashies. I said that you were a cat driver. I didn't realize you were like a backcountry cat driver. Yeah, I built I built uh, parks, train parks and half fights and stuff. But uh, I also was trying to become a, yeah, I, I was kind of getting over working nights for yeah. a lot of years. And so uh, I was getting into, I was building roads for cat skiing operations, still building park too but um yeah. it was i loved it and then it also meant like i could work all morning and hop in a cat in the afternoon and like get some power laps in in like the best snow in the world so that was that was the dream job for sure getting uh getting in road building and driving cats in the backcountry that's rad much respect to the cat drivers. I got to drive a cat at June Mountain once. My friend Jeremy Cooper, um, he let me in there. We had like a night shoot. <laughs> and you, I have so much respect for you guys. <laughs> I don't have that like two-hand coordination. It's like playing a guitar. It's not my jam. I almost broke yeah, the cat. But then it, He's like, I mean, you just, almost broke it. <laughs> yeah, it just gets so ingrained. Like, you know, you don't even think. It's, it's a part of you. I love it. Um, I actually got an opportunity this winter um, while Lucas, Lucas Follett, um was building one and arena snow parks out of Whistler. They were building the world championships course yeah. and they, uh, the race directors wanted some changes done and, and they were already a little bit behind the ball just with the amount of snow they had and everything. Yeah. And Lucas was like, Hey man, you want to push a berm out for us? And, I literally was just sitting there waiting on training days and stuff. And I was like, yeah. So I got to hop in a cat this year yeah, and like push a berm on one of the courses racing on which was like kind of really cool to get the opportunity to do. And um, yeah, it's fun to get back in a cat this year. was fun. And it was just so helpful and handy. <laughs> yeah. And I told the, I told the race director, I was like, you know, anytime you want it, like <laughs> I'm here, I'm ready. And with my prosthetics, I can only snowboard maybe an hour, two hours a day on a really good day. But my, my legs are breaking down so quick that I, yeah. I really limit how much I'm riding before a contest. So I'm like, like, I'm just sitting around 
trying not to walk because it's hard on my legs. I'll hop in a cat for 10 hours. I love it. I do it all day, every day. Oh my so we'll gosh, see. Maybe in the future, maybe I get more opportunities. And Wicked, where did you, I'm, I'm going off track now because I love it. I'm intrigued. <laughs> where did you um, build a half pipe? Oh, I've worked, I've built the park at COP for uh, quite a while. I built slope and pipe. And then actually I stopped building pipe in uh, arena snow parks, uh, SPT. Uh, a lot of people, yeah, came and went, but I, yeah, I got the opportunity to um, be a part of that. That's for the thing. I never get to while. see you. Uh, yeah, the phantom, the phantoms of the, the yeah. park. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I love it. I mean, and it's so rad when you get to build it. Then, like, you know, for an hour in the morning, get to ride perfect fresh parks, which like. Yeah. You become a bit of a, not a bit of a snob. You become a complete, a complete snob. snob. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, I can't ride a park after 11 a.m. because it, there's ruts. There's a few lines going into rails. Um, but I yeah, get then to get to totally watch get people, like your friends, you know, I, I grew up uh, in Calgary and that whole crew that kind of came up, like to get to watch them come back in contests and like, yeah, I got to build, you know features that they're riding is so much fun yeah i love that for sure i miss it oh well maybe it's gonna come back who knows once you get off your boat (laughs) um okay number eight if you're not training at the moment what can people find you doing uh skydiving sailing surfing mountain biking i don't know any any other sport (laughs) yeah 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 just sports yeah Cool. Okay. Number nine, how did the pandemic change your training at all? If it did? Well, like I said earlier, I I can't ride a ton during the day. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm such a new amputee and my legs aren't super uh, well healed, I guess, for lack of a better term. They just can't really deal with the impacts of a full day of training. So I spend a lot of time off the hill. I, I do a lot of like video review with coaches and stuff and try and break stuff down, but there's still like a lot of time in the day to kill. And if I'm in my wheelchair and sometimes not in the most wheelchair accessible places, um, yeah, I just, uh, kind of get a little bored. So I got off track what the question was, but, uh, Oh no, no, that, no, it was just, um, how your training changed, but I, I'm interested. Oh, um, how, yeah, yeah, yeah. How my training changed is that, all that extra time I had, I didn't get to go explore these cool, you know, like we're in uh, Mm, Norway and Finland and like, I've got all this time and I just couldn't go explore it. So that's where I was going with that. Yeah. We were talking about Norway. Did you make it down to the water on in Norway? No. No. Okay. Cause they had, I have this sick photo. We had a world championships there years and years ago at like maybe 2012. And uh, they have this like glass iceberg it's oh, with cool. the sunset and it was just beautiful. It's I, I do recommend going back there because oh, I I have to. It's rad. Though it's like one of the most expensive countries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So I didn't mind like not being able to go up hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Forced me totally. to not spend money. Oh, totally. Okay, number ten, you have a documentary. Um, sixty seconds. And that should be dropping. Well, that's dropped in film festivals. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, any inkling as to when people might be able to watch it? 
Uh, I don't have a great answer, but uh, I mean, a film festival near you, I guess. Uh, It's been kind of doing the rounds all over the world, which is so crazy to even think. (laughs) Award winning. -winning. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, it's all so wild. It's a little surreal, but um, you know, we're trying to get it out there. We're doing our best to find some way to uh, distribute it and hopefully soon, the near future. Who knows? Uh, But you can watch the teaser, the trailer, which is also Mm -hmm. sick. Yeah. Hopefully on a huge streaming uh, <laughs> site near you. I don't know. There we go. There let's we see go. Where, let's see where we can get this thing. But uh, okay. yeah, I just I'd like to get it out there. It's, you know, it's it's a time of my life that's very much behind me, and so it's kind of wild for me. We've done a speaker series with Arcteryx, and um, we we did this really cool night in Victoria and called it the Mind Game. And uh, John Coleman, who's uh, you know, sports psychologist and mental performance coach. He's a part of this documentary, very much part of it. And him and I, and, and um, we had this night that was like super deep, intimate conversation. It was really cool and watching people react to it, but it's a time in my life that's well behind me now. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, living a very different part of my life now. It's, it's just kind of wild to like get out there because, it's only getting further and further away behind me and uh right um, right it, it is a little weird because then people meet me and they're like oh that's not you anymore i'm like no i'm yeah um but there's a whole another part of that story so who knows documentary number two coming up yeah man uh, <laughs> gold <two>. medal <laughs> bronze medal like you've done a yeah. lot you've come really far it's funny yeah. i yeah i speak on my crash and I get like, whenever I talk about it, I get like these ghost pains in my hip from my crash in 2014. Do you get anything like that? Like, oh, the phantom pains. In, uh, and then a friend of mine, uh, like just a few weeks ago, was like, Do you ever get any of those devil pains? I'm like, I'm calling them devil pains from now on because the oh, phantom pains. Oh, I heard you speaking so about that. Crazy. My toes, it feels like my toenails are being ripped out. It feels like I'm getting. Oh my- fire pokers through the bottom of my foot and like yeah i want to talk about that all day every day and uh yeah it's a it's a test mentally like physically it's it's pain whatever we deal with that but like the mental test of like these random insane pains uh just popping up um yeah it, it i don't know it'll drive you mad for sure yeah, and you were, I, I listened to you and you said that it was like eight se- – it like will like zing on you, this like poker in your foot that lasts like eight seconds and then you're like, okay, moving on. <laughs> well, well, no. So the like really intense ones, they'll be like one second and it feels like a poker is going okay. through my foot, a fire poker. But as soon as the pain starts, is it ends that quick too. So if I fire poke your foot, it's going to hurt yeah. for a long time. Yeah, for yeah, me, yeah. it's in, it's out, and it's just that quick <laughs> – that quick hit. And I always say, if I had a cup of coffee in my hand, I would spill it 10 times a day from like having these little freak outs. Uh, but then it's, it's gone. Like I can't even be in pain anymore after. And uh, so wild. it's a weird feeling. It's just nothing I've ever felt before being an amputee or yeah. you can't even relate it to anything specifically. It's a, uh, that's a wild one. I'm still, I don't know. That's the it's the one that still gets me down because like some days I just can't. You just can't avoid it. There's no part of life now, so uh, yeah. it's a bit of a battle. 
Okay. Well, that was the rapid fire. We made it through. It's never rapid. Everyone knows that, but we know a lot more about you. Now I want to talk about the Paralympics because these were your first games and like the last Paralympics probably weren't even a thing for you. And so <laughs> you just kind of came onto the scene and crushed it. Did you like, yeah. A, you just wanted to go to the Paralympics. Did you see that you would be getting gold and bronze at those games? Uh, well, first we'll back up. At first you said like the previous games weren't even a thing. I actually kind of, I watched, um, the previous Paralympics from the hospital essentially. Okay. Um, and that point I wasn't, A, I was still kind of holding on to like, well, I didn't really have much motivation for the future. And, uh, yeah, I watched it and I was like, oh, great, whatever. I, yeah, I didn't even want to like consider it, but then going forward, I would rewatch them and, and watch people like, you know, Mike Schultz and Noah Elliott and these guys in my category that are snowboarding at such a crazy high level uh, as amputees and competing, you know, down to the hundredth of a second and like really intense competition. And I was like, after a couple of years, I was like, okay, yeah, I want to be a part of that for sure. Yes. So that it, it was a kind of a slow process. And, but once I, finally got a snowboard on it took two years to get a snowboard on after my accident and once i got a snowboard on and i went riding and i went back to cop and rode with some friends there and um everyone was like yo you gotta you gotta do this and i was still kind of like ah, i don't know i just kind of want to go try and ride powder and there's no one really riding powder as an amputee and then once but once it clicked and once i started down the path there was like i was all in and um and then yeah like did i think i was gonna win no i i thought i had a good chance if i could ride at my best like yeah. at the level at, on my best days during the season i had a chance to win uh or be on the podium but i also had a lot of like failures throughout the season I've, i'm a new amputee so i'm still learning i was catching some edges and you know just oh, yeah. random times and like really frustrating stuff yeah and so it was uh I was like, if I can put it all together, I've got a chance, but I'm also like getting in my way so much. So it was a lot of, I was just back and forth and I just wanted to do, if I left there, it's so cliche, but like if I did my best run yeah. and it put me in fourth, uh, I'm good with that. Yeah. If I, I got fourth that. because I made the big finals and caught an edge, that's going to be a tough one to swallow. So that was just my goal going into it. Oh, we're not competitive at all over here. <laughs> <laughs> mostly yeah. with ourselves and i think that's what it's really all about for sure exactly exactly i didn't uh, want to beat myself I, i'm okay getting beat by these guys like i said they're the best in the world i've been watching yeah. them for two paralympics and i you know i can go back and watch the games before and like video that coaches have and everything from before and like yeah they're the best in the world and if i can hang then that's awesome but if i beat myself that that was going to piss me off and so yeah. that's what i was most worried about going into it for sure. Okay, let's talk about um, the dynamic of, yeah, you talked about being a new amputee and that your legs kind of can only snowboard an hour a day. So it sounds like you do a lot of video review. And in that video review, are you just like analyzing everyone as to how you can ride better? Or are you like, I can take advantage of this person because I can see this? Like, what's your... Or, yeah, or a, you don't have to tell us. You, this could be like oh, an inside no. scoop that you don't want to share. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm like a crazy uh, 
hyper analyzer. I love video. Always at the end of the day, sometimes Greg, like won't like our coach, um, won't want to give me the video because he knows I am going to like obsess over, over it over. for so long. Okay. And sometimes I know he's messing with me and he's like, we don't have video or like, I'm like, don't, don't even do <laughs> I get so mad at Like, I know you have video and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm getting that video. So, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, I, uh, also with having spent as much time as I have in a snowcat and building courses, building tranny, building features, yeah. I can, I don't, I, I generally don't do inspection laps because my legs can't handle that many laps down a course. Okay. And it's funny because when I started competing and I was new on the World Cup circuit, the race directors would be like, you know, inspection's open. And I just <laughs> sit there and I just like, I'm either like um, visualizing or watching video right before. Um, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know I'm good. And I'll just sit there and because I can't waste laps on my legs on race day. And um, I mean, everyone. That's no secret. Everyone knows that they all come around and I'm just sitting there. Um, <laughs> you're like, I'm just but, hanging. You're visualizing in your head, I'm assuming. Yeah. Greg, yeah. Will, Greg will record the course for me and stuff. And like, I, Wicked. you know, if there's a tiller bump or there's like a weird grooming thing, like I've seen it so many times, I can um, kind of like process that in my head. And I love getting video of a course and just reviewing it in my head memorizing it that way because I, I physically just can't do it anymore yeah. so yeah. this just kind of how we've adapted um greg and mark have been great at helping me kind of adapt my race day strategies my training strategies and um Dude, yeah it's awesome. i mean it's working i guess i would say so are you <laughs> are you secretly judging the groomers that have done the course yeah, absolutely and it's like <laughs> um yeah like our world champion i mean um um steve petrie and lucas are they're the best of the best and our yeah. world championship course in norway was groomed so well and it's the first like going up the chairlift i'm looking at like what did the free groomers do and how did they deal with the snow conditions and um i don't know it's just part of when you spend that many got thousands of hours you know judging your own stuff you judge everyone else's too and um also like just is this course going to be good is it going to be is there going to be tiller bumps everywhere is there going to be grouser bar marks everywhere what do we need to be prepared to deal with and uh that world champs course i rolled up and it was groomed just so beautifully and i i saw lucas at the top i was like yes thank you it is amazing and of course it's amazing because they're the best of the best but some of these courses we roll up to and you're like uh oh you're like this is gonna be gnarly (laughs) yeah yeah there's been a couple races where the whole everyone across the board we roll up and we're like oh no this is this is gonna be spicy racing not because (laughs) of anything other than spicy racing yeah 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 always always judging for sure yeah yeah i would be too i i yeah again so much respect for that background in the cat and i think that gives you like a total edge up for sure but also with the judging like so much respect you know i'll roll up and see like i know it was tricky conditions the night before melt freeze or like they had to put off grooming till late in the morning or they had to groom it early and let it set or whatever and you roll up and see that it's well done and like i wish i knew who some nights you know it's just a random groomer from a hill in uh austria yeah yeah. i wish i could i wish i knew who it was and i could hats off to you yeah because like (laughs) uh sometimes when when people nail it it's uh it goes both ways yeah, yeah. Well, I'm like I said earlier, you're all sneaky. We never see you guys. 
<laughs> exactly right you never know who it is and yeah for the good and the bad their, no. their work yeah <laughs> so funny okay um so when you are on the race course this this is like a, a question that i had like i've been thinking about for days and i was just like i hope the answer is no you talked about <laughs> that like fire poker in in your feet does that ever happen when you're on the race course no, and it's why I do, like we said, mountain biking, skydiving, surfing, snowboarding. It's Thanks. why I'm addicted to these things because when, like on the chairlift, yes. On the, you know, like okay. when you're sitting, having lunch or whatever, or you're on the beach, uh, in the airplane, horrible with the air pressure. Uh, yeah. But while you're doing that thing, the like complete bliss that you feel and like just, it's the best painkiller. There's no pain when I'm doing these activities and um yeah just completely focused on on the task uh that's why i love these things it's a it's an escape without a doubt and it's uh an addiction for sure but it's because i'm a, i'm not just addicted to doing what i'm doing i'm addicted to the like uh, the feel. just not feeling pain because i yeah. i i have pain 24 7 oh, except so when sorry. i'm sleeping i love sleeping too oh no it's yeah i mean it is just part of life now and yeah. uh, it comes my life's amazing. I'm so lucky to be where I am, but uh, the good comes with the bad and, you, you know, hopefully it all um, comes out on the, on the good side of the scale. For sure. Yeah. I, and I love that that passion, it really does come through when, when I hear you talk, I'm just like, yeah, man, I love it too. I get it. And I think the <laughs> listeners kind of will get an idea as well. So you had a plan at the para games to in the start gate not talk uh, uh, not talk or think about snowboarding. Did that start at the para games or was that planned before in all of your races? Yeah, no. Uh that did not start at the para games. It actually okay. um well, I mean, I've been trying to figure out what to do. I'm a bit of a head case. I'm a big time head case. And, I'm a big time uh, head case too. Yeah. So <laughs> I was just in like I I love racing and everything pre-accident, but it'd been five years and I just kind of lost that a little bit. And so I was getting back into this like high intense, uh, you know, racing. And I don't know, maybe it was just because my accident or something. I just wasn't dealing with that pressure, that like start gate jitters like I was before, or, uh, you know, like. Uh, so I was trying to figure it out in Puha in Finland. I had. Uh, I made the big finals. I was stoked. I was like sticking to the game plan, nailing everything I wanted. Big finals. I come out in second place. Per I love it. I got lots of room in front, lots of room behind me. I was going to make my pass. I was hoping to make a pass where I was making passes and training. And then boom, I catch an edge and go down in like a mundane, flat, pretty slow part of the track. And it was just, it was a head. It was like just a mental lapse. And so that's where I started. Uh, going forward, like I need a better routine mm -hmm. and the, I, I can snowboard. I, I know how to snowboard. I've been snowboarding my whole life. I don't need to think about snowboarding right yeah. in the moment where I need to perform. So I started thinking about like my favorite waves that I surfed yeah. and it's crazy because after my accident, I had traumatic brain injury and, and many head injuries as we all have in snowboarding before. Mm -hmm. uh, but this, this brain injury I had on my skydiving accidents heavily affected my memory. But, and I struggle, you know, names, uh, I struggle with a lot of things, but I can tell you where every little speck of water was on a wave that I surfed in Australia in 2007, which is what? so crazy. That's and wild. So, 
yeah, these moments, these moments that now are like bliss for me also, you know, like in the past were bliss as well. And I, for some reason, they're stuck in my brain. So I would like focus in on uh, different surf sessions I had, or I just go through these different sports and like the perfect days that I had or the perfect waves. And then at the Paralympics, um, so each event I'd been trying, I'd been thinking of different things, like a different theme each time at the Paralympics. Uh, yeah. My coach was an old skydiver and I was like, let's skydive today. Like pre pre race. We're not snowboarding. We're, we're talking about skydiving. We're like, everything is skydiving. I don't want to talk about snowboarding. We can like yeah. a little, little strategy stuff when I come up, but like, I've got my line dialed. I've got everything. Unless there's something critical, we're talking about skydiving today. So I'd come up and Greg and I would just chat about like, different airplanes we want to jump from different types of skydives we want to do um just kept it so, so light yeah and made me sink right into like coaching I'm, i coach skydiving and like i was just in that mode and when i got to the start gate i was so just like i was so jittery in previous races and at the paralympics i was just thinking about skydiving and even there's like a pre-jump routine you go through mm-hmm. um before skydiving and i was doing that pre-jump routine in the start gate area and mm-hmm. I think other people are like, what is going on? And then even on TV, I did my last handle check yeah. um, <laughs> when the camera came to me. And that. What, that, what does that look that like? Moment, is that like you're grabbing something somewhere? Yeah. So you have two handles up on your chest and a okay. handle and your reserve handle. If okay. You feel bad at the emergency procedures. And uh, yeah, you do your handle check before the yeah. door opens. So uh, and you I run through it. your emergency procedures. I did that and then it made me laugh in the start gate and I was just giggling thinking of all my uh, friends back home at, at you know, all the, you know, uh, the drop zones and stuff that I yeah. frequent and, and, and work at. And I was just laughing, thinking the people who know, know, and they're dying right now. And I just, it was great. Cause I didn't think of snowboarding. And then yeah. when the gate dropped, I was like, okay, I'm just snowboarding. I didn't have to think about it. Now I'm in it and I'm just doing it. Um, yeah. So there, uh, that's my secret. And anyone who wants to, take it can try but i don't think anyone anyone's gonna be visualizing (laughs) skydiving before they skydive so i think i'm safe with this one yeah yeah, i I think everyone's got their own thing like i remember being at the top of the half pipe and like tora bray good friend she would be dancing and like some other people would be like in the zone visualizing and i'd be like I'm not sure which one I am. I mean, it took me like probably, I don't even think I figured it out in 20 years of being at the top of the half pipe. I was, every day was different for me. So (laughs) it's just a journey, right? Yeah. But once you find yours, you know, like uh, I'm lucky I found it pretty quick, but once you find it, uh, then it's just like, now how deep can we go with this? How far can we go with it? So like, it's gonna be interesting going forward. Like, obviously, I know, I know what works for me and I'm just going to, I'm going to dive into that as deep as I can and see if it can help me push even further. So rad. Um, and so we uh, mentioned the last 10 seconds of the race earlier in the rapid fire. Do you want to kind of walk us through that? Cause, um, I, I think it's an amazing story. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'd always planned each race. I was planning to take a look up the course at a turn four because it was toast. I turned for me and in the finals i didn't i thought they were right on my tail like i was maybe just hearing footsteps or something but in my head i'm like i'm up front but i'm pretty sure mike schultz is probably like two feet behind me i i would assume um because he's a master and i took a look out of turn four and saw them back there battling and i was like oh man i'm gonna win a gold medal and then my knees went jello <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I just 
Yeah, it was so bad. I came into turn five. Uh, I kept it solid through turn five, but this final little rhythm section I was struggling with all week. And um, I have two prosthetic legs. And I, when I have to move my knees up and down, things get a little out of control. And uh, that's where I can start to fall. So I, I had just, I had figured out my movements through there. I had it dialed by the end of training. And then in this final run, I just, I hit it so bad. It's like, boom, boom, I'm hitting like, not even pumping through transitions. I go up, I catch my edge on the top of this little camelback feature. And in my head, I'm thinking, don't do what I did in Puha. That I went straight to Puha. Like, if you do this on television with everyone you know watching, like a hundred meters before the finish line and blow yeah. a gold medal, this is gonna and like that 10 seconds from catching my edge to the finish line was the longest 10 seconds ever i had a full conversation with myself i'm cursing at myself i'm like i was so mad at myself already before i'd even done it and uh when i went off that final jump i landed and looked back because i figured easily someone had closed the gap uh i figured there's no way i'm still like way out front and i looked back and hadn't seen anyone off the jump and i was i just my mind was kind of blown that somehow I held on to that because I was I was trying to give it away at that point, which is um yeah, the worst feeling ever. So I'm gonna spend the next four years trying to get that figured out and dial yeah. that in because yeah. uh yeah, that's not a like a long term success plan <laughs> uh, to have your knees completely go weak in the middle of a race. But yeah, I held mm -hmm. it together for that one and uh, it's a good story now. But uh I, in, in the, the moment, moment was, just uh, nail biter. I was so mad at myself. Biggest thing. I was just, I was just mad that I would let this happen. And uh, thankfully I didn't let it happen. Yeah. 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 Oh Made my gosh. Such yeah. a good story. And I like, honestly, sometimes 10 seconds can seem like a lifetime when you're in a moment oh, like that. Wild. I just wanted to get to the end. Every roller I went over and kept casing them and like, just get me there. I just <laughs> want to be there. Uh, okay. So, but uh, you did talk about four years and, um, I had a, a mentor that happened to be at every one of my games, almost, except for my last ones. And she was like, uh, I don't know if you know Marnie McBean, but she would always be right after it, like somewhere near me and be like, Oh, how are you going to do at the next games? And you talked about four years from now. What does that mean? Oh man. I, yeah, I have to go to <laughs> like, uh, after that, I mean, provided my body can hold up because yeah. man, I beat, I beat my body down pretty hard with all these activities, but, um, yeah, no doubt the goal is Italy after, you know, China was an amazing experience. I had great success, which made it that much better of an experience, but, um, it was also a wild, wild experience. And I would really love to go to a non COVID games and oh, yeah, experience that. Mm. Um, so it, it's good. It probably made, it made the decision for me. COVID made the decision for me that I can okay. keep doing this and keep pursuing it. And I, I love it. It's so much fun. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm addicted. So, uh, Oh, you're talking to someone with. that was definitely addicted. went to four. Yeah. I, I don't recommend wow. four, but like, cause it's so much life, but I mean, it is, it yeah. is an amazing lifestyle for sure. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Four is incredible. I, uh, I, you know, we'll, we'll see after that, but the next four years, I look forward to traveling with, the, I've made so many friends there and, yeah. uh, even the people I compete against, I mean, you know that, like mm -hmm. you compete against them and we're ruthless competition and like, and then go have beers and all, like pat each other on the back. Totally. 
yeah, it's yeah, the best. You know. It's the best uh-huh. sport. I honestly like. I grew up figure skating, and everyone's like against each other. Like you're not really friends. And snowboarding is just that one off where, yeah, we do go against each other, but like we're good friends. We're still gonna hang. And I'm like totally cheering for them. You know, like yeah. I was so so happy to be on the podium with Mike Schultz, which like that's also a crazy story too. He invented the feet that I use. Oh, I didn't even ask about those. Like, how does that work? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a whole, whole nother story, but I'll uh, have you on again. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but, but like Mike Schultz, who's, I mean, he's kind of the godfather of para snowboarding in a lot of ways. He, uh, he's been doing this a long time and um, he's, I mean, he's paved the way for people like myself and for me to get to race against him is amazing. He also realized there is an, like a lack of prosthetics for snowboarding specifically uh he was a professional dirt biker and he also wanted something for dirt biking and so he just invented it he went in a shop and he freaking invented a foot with bike shocks in them and fully changed the sport like straight up took the sport to a whole new level with his invention and then I, i don't know the number but like the vast majority of people who won a medal at the Paralympics or world championships were wearing the foot that he invented, you know, myself included. I have two of them. And uh, it's just so cool. Um, on the podium with ra- him. Yeah. To be able to race with him, race against him, <laughs> be on the podium with him. And um, yeah, so that's, I look forward to that too. Like just the, the people I've met and the community that uh, I've met and created through that whole world. It's been amazing. And you have such good coaches on your side too. I mean, the respect that you have for them is is so great. And the relationship you've built there is amazing. Yeah, super lucky. I mean, Greg and Mark are, well, I mean, Mark Fawcett, like him yeah. teaching you how to do heel and toe side turns is a lot. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm not um, sure who Greg, doesn't love Mark. <laughs> yeah, I know, Mark's so great. And then uh, and then Greg, of course, is just such a great coach. And we've... Uh, we become good friends too, which is really great. We we get to go. I mean, Mark and I just went mountain biking last week. He was on the you island said here. That. Yeah. Yeah. Greg and I get to go mountain biking. Uh, Have you gone bit. skydiving with Greg yet? No, I I'm, I bug him all the time. That like, <laughs> especially so after we uh, we were back at the hotel. I mean, you couldn't do anything in Beijing. So like, mm-hmm. you it's kind of wild. You win this gold medal. It's like this big hype, and then you. <laughs> back in your your room in like uh, 30 minutes 45 no minutes celebrating so, during COVID. no we're playing a card game we got you know we were all hooked on wizard we, we were just playing wizard and like okay yay we did it and uh, oh my god silver medal yes. as well and we're like you gotta go again you gotta go yeah. again <laughs> that crushes so, me a little bit <laughs> i know but i said to greg while we were sitting there i'm like so because of this whole story about skydiving, that's going to get out in the media, I'm sure. And like, I'm going to be talking about this. Like we have to go to the skydive now and these, we'll see. I'm still, I'm still pushing them. One of the, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure I'll be able to get them back in the sky. Amazing. Awesome. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for sharing your story. Where can people find you online? Uh, Ty Turner 14 on Instagram. That's probably where I'm, uh, mostly hanging out. We also have, uh, my girlfriend Kayleen does a really good job with a YouTube channel about our sailing adventures. Yes. It's all about spray sailing on YouTube. Just, yeah, all about spray and uh, and we pop up. And yeah, hopefully I can be on that a little bit more. I've been over in Europe snowboarding and kind of gone a lot. So it's, uh, she's worked really hard on this boat to make it 
um, get it ready to sail to Mexico in like three weeks. So, oh um, yeah, we, we document our journeys. there pretty good. Uh, tyturner.ca, uh, you want to get me to come speak at your event, yes, <laughs> but, so uh, good. yeah, just trying to, trying to figure out how to, how to pay it forward a little bit more now. Cause I've been so lucky in my recovery and hopefully I can yeah, pass along to the next person. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for dropping in today. I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This is uh, this is awesome. Thanks so much for dropping in today. You can find everything you want to know about dropping in with Mercedes at droppinginwithmercedes.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks, DJ Kenosis, for the music and my mom for the intro voice. happens when we play outside we become healthier both mentally and physically we become more creative and more focused we connect with nature each other and ourselves let's take this outside a new podcast hosted by me marianne iveson an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover i speak to athletes outdoor professionals and scientists about their connection to nature how it affects their performance and everyday life Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, 4Kids Flashback. 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback.